Good morning, folks. We're starting a new series looking at a handful of songs and prayers from the book of Psalms today. I'm sure you've noticed that some bits of the Bible can be hard to understand and other bits potentially difficult to stomach, but I'm sure we can all get behind the first verse of this first psalm we're looking at this morning. Do you see it? How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. I mean, that's what we all want, isn't it? We all long for unity. Because everywhere we look around, we see fracture and division and disunity. Battle lines being drawn where peace talks should be taking place. In politics, in the media, on social media, in the workplace, the school common room, the playground, in families too. And sadly also in the church. And I guess this is maybe one of the reasons why we've seen this rise in individualism in our culture over the last few decades. I mean, why bother trying to engage with uh, and be united to other people when it's so messy and difficult and such hard work? And actually speaking to people during this strange lockdown period, uh, I wonder if most of us are actually quite content to be socially distant and to stay at home where we can choose not to talk to anyone we don't know that well. Not to put ourselves out for others too much. Not to even get out of bed if we don't want to. But David, the guy who wrote this psalm, says, no, that should not be at all appealing to us. As he sings the praises of unity and encourages us to see that unity is a good thing. Behold, he says in verse one, Come on, folks, he says, come and have a look at unity. See that it's something that's really worth fighting for, really worth making an effort for. This psalm, um, you might notice if you've got a Bible open in front of you, the heading says it's a song of ascents. Uh, these songs of ascents are 15 songs that were sung by God's people as they, they left the comfort of their own homes from all over the nation of Israel. And they made the journey up to Mount Zion, essentially olden day Jerusalem. And they went there for the annual feast so they could celebrate together God's goodness to them. And here in Psalm 133, David in his mind's eye sees them arriving. <laughs> and he looks around and he sees people from all of the different 12 tribes of Israel. He sees the really important elders from different towns and villages, but he also sees the humble herdsman and shepherd boy. He sees old and young. He sees those who've come from far, far away and those who've come from much, much nearer. He sees the whole lot together, pilgrims coming in all their rich diversity, all united in one common cause to worship their God together. Kind of reminds me of that future picture of God's people in heaven that we looked at in Revelation 7 a few weeks back. And they're all so different and yet they stand gathered round God's throne singing the same song. Salvation belongs to our God. And folks, if that's what we sing with our lips, that God is our saviour, 
And that is not only where we're heading, but that is where we're called to live now in unity, in community with God's people. Which is why David says, behold, look, see how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It's good, as in not evil, not sinful, because after all, it is God who commands this. This is something we need to obey, this call. You see, if you're a Christian, it's your duty to gather together in church with other believers. When God saves us, he brings us into his family. So we not only belong to him, but we also belong to each other, to brothers and sisters in Christ. There should be no only children in the Christian family. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he said, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and before anyone could take that away and turn it into a private personal religion he bolted another commandment onto it as he said love each other as you yourself would want to be loved and folks that duty must not be treated as something to put up with one of the inconvenient necessities of faith like how paying taxes are an inconvenient consequence of living in an ordered society. No, it's not only good. Do you notice here? It is pleasant too. It is our duty and our delight. I mean, think of those pilgrims out on the road journeying together up to Jerusalem for festival worship. How great it is to have everyone sharing a common purpose, travelling a common path, striving towards a common goal and that purpose and that path and that that goal being God himself and his glory so much better than having to make the journey on our own and folks we're on a journey too aren't we in life I may feel a fairly static one like we're going nowhere at the moment But if you're a Christian, then you are on a journey heading home to the heavenly city to be with God forever. And I know that one of the things that first attracted many of you to faith in Jesus that started you on this journey was finding, experiencing this kind of community in the church. I know that's what one of the things that started off my journey of faith. I first woke up to the reality of Christ by seeing him at work, by his spirit in the lives of other believers. And if you're someone this morning who isn't yet a believer, but you've been tuning in over the last few months, and you've been intrigued um, by all that you've seen and you've heard, yeah, a little bit kind of spooked about the invitations we've thrown out from time to time to join us after the service on on Zoom or uh, get in touch and give us your your details so that we can yeah start a connection with you or, or come and be part of one of those Christianity Explored groups gathering with a, a handful of others to to look into this in greater detail. Can I encourage you to think again? 
to take the next step and get in touch and join us, albeit virtually for the time being. What should you expect as you join, as you enter into the community of faith? Well, that's what David goes into next in verse two. He says, unity is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Now to those of you who have sometimes thought my illustration's a bit crazy, let me say this, bet you're loving me now. And to those who have just thrown out their invitation to come and join us, you might be thinking, not on your life, is, is that what church is really like? What is this all about? Essentially, David is saying three things about unity here. The first is, unity is like welcoming oil abundantly poured out. First half of verse two is a reference to what happened if you welcomed a guest to your home in ancient Middle Eastern culture. You would wash their feet and you'd anoint their head with oil. And folks, this oil, it wasn't just the cheap oil you get from the supermarket to use for cooking. No, no, no. It was precious, sweet, expensive oil, oil that you really wouldn't want to waste. And the point here is that welcoming people is costly. As God's call to unity moves us to make a great effort to lavishly, generously welcome others. Even when it's not exactly an appealing exercise. <laughs> Let's face it, even if these folks lived locally in those times, they wouldn't have just cruised round in their air-conditioned four by four. No, they would have trodden some dusty path that had a high chance of being littered with animal dung. So they'd pitch up all sweaty and dirty at your doorstep. Those are the people you needed to welcome. And folks, I think many of us are tempted at the moment to pull back from greeting one another generously. Because meeting, um, well, exercising any kind of hospitality in our homes or going around to others or, or, or meeting in the church or on, on Zoom is so unsatisfactory that it feels equally unappealing to us. I know many of us are utterly fed up with Zoom and Microsoft Teams. I certainly am. <laughs> My eyes have taken such a battering over the last few months that I've had to start taking eye drops and uh, heating up this mask in the microwave and then sitting back and wearing it for 10 minutes twice a day. That's <laughs> bizarre. But unity is costly. <laughs> it's like precious oil we poured generously over one another's heads. It, it, it's a price worth paying to try to be a blessing to others. And can I just say, just showing up is such an encouragement. Even if you feel like you're just another little face on the screen, don't underestimate the power of presence. And so if you're part of our fellowship at St. Joseph's, if you're not there, we miss you. We miss your unique contribution to the life of our church. 
I need to also say, you're missing out too. So many people have said to me, they've said to other members of staff, just how this time has been a brilliant time of getting to know people they wouldn't ordinarily mingle with at church. And there's something about these Zoom calls where you get thrown randomly into a breakout room. You end up meeting and talking with people that you wouldn't ordinarily do week to week here in the building on a Sunday. So don't pull back. Please don't pull back. Throw yourself in. Or as one Christian pastor put in a letter to some first Christian, first century Christians who were tempted to drop out of engaging with church. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And folks, that chimes with a Another thing that David is saying here about unity. Secondly, he says, unity is like anointing oil that sets us apart for service. As David thinks about this oil dripping down, it's like it gets his mind working. It gets his mind lubricated, I think. And he slides from Eastern, Middle Eastern hospitality to Aaron and his sons being consecrated as priests in Exodus 29 and 30. There they were set apart from all the other people in Israel to be representatives of, of, of the people to God and God to the people. And in the New Testament, God tells us that if we're believers, then Jesus, as our great high priest, comes and saves us and calls us to this priestly function. 1 Peter 2 verse 5 tells us that if we are in Christ, we are to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Time and again in the New Testament, you find the Greek word for one another being used 50 times, commanding us to love one another, to bear with one another to carry one another's burdens, to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, to teach and rebuke and correct one another. <laughs> As you see, it's not just Ben and myself and others who preach on a Sunday, who are to teach God's word. No, we are all supposed to speak and to sing the truth of God's word to one another and share Christ's sacrifice together so that we might build one another up in faith and keep one another going. Many of us have lost the opportunities that we used to have to serve the church. They just disappeared overnight, didn't they? But fresh opportunities are opening up. I've been so encouraged to hear of folks baking scones to send to one another or, or baking brownies and uh, making marmalade to take round to others to, to enable a doorstep catch up. We've been doing that as a family on Sunday afternoons, just visiting folks in the area, giving a little love gift and, and, and getting the opportunity to, to share fellowship with others in the congregation. And, and folks would be so blessed by that. We found it good 
and pleasant. I think even my kids have. And I really hope it's been a blessing to those we've visited too. We also need folks to be willing to help out and, and, and step in with the tech and the hosting on our Zoom calls. That technology is so important to us at the moment and we need to work together on it. So if you're able to, to help with that, please get in touch with Karen about the, the Zoom refreshments. Myself and Ben about the prayer meeting or the upcoming uh, summer series that we're going to be doing. But I think, I suspect that our current situation narrows our serving options down in actually quite a helpful way by leaving the most obvious and the biggest opportunity we have to serve one another as reading the Bible and praying with one another. That's how people, that's how the church grows as God's word takes root in people by his spirit. That's how anything good grows. So if you're a member of our congregation at St. Joseph's, can I challenge you to think about who you might be able to read the Bible with one-to-one -one at the moment? Who might that be? Have a think. Maybe it's someone just looking into the Christian faith. Maybe it's someone who's younger in the faith. Have a think about it. And then please get in touch with me if you'd like some tips and resources to help you get a start on that. Jesus himself said, there is more blessing in giving than receiving. <laughs> Boy, did he model that. He modeled that. So much so he gave us his life. So give yourself in service. Don't hold back. Then thirdly, unity looks here like a refreshing miracle. As David goes on in verse three, it is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Now, I don't know how you got on with your Middle Eastern geography GCFC, but if you Middle Eastern geography is a bit sketchy. Let me tell you that Mount Hermon is a snow-capped mountain, famous for its heavy dew, way up to the north of Israel. And 200 kilometres to the south is Little Mount Zion in Jerusalem, the Holy Hill, which barely got any precipitation at all. So for Hermon's refreshing dew to fall, to land on Mount Zion would bring about Great refreshment in a drier, more barren part of the country. But it would need a miracle to happen. And this shows us the biggest thing that we need to get in our heads about unity. It is a good thing. But ultimately, real, true unity is a God thing. It comes from God above. Love that. Weetabix advert that's on the TV at the moment, uh, where the captain and crew of a submarine find themselves uh, uh, inexplicably suddenly uh, going up. Uh, they're surprised by this because the first lieutenant has been really clear in his command to keep the submarine at 300 meters below sea level. But up it comes and, uh, and, and beaches itself. And as the captain pops up out the hatch, he sees that there's a little fishing hook attached to the submarine and, and a line of fishing wire going all the way back to the beach where it's being held by this little girl sitting down, winching it in. 
and two gnarly old sea dogs are sitting on the beach watching all this and they deliver the killer line they go well I guess she's had her Weetabix and folks I think that's how we think about unity <laughs> that it's something we've got to make happen we need to pull the church up with all our energy like a child really in a submarine from the depths but all the way through this psalm we're given clues about where this unity comes from and you see the repeated theme it's like precious oil running down on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes, verse two. Uh, verse three, it, it, it's like dew on Mount Hermon, which falls. Folks, unity is a gift from heaven above. We don't pull ourselves up, no, it comes down. And so if you feel fed up with Zoom and YouTube, if you feel depressed by the thought of another six months of doing church like this, if the thought of going to church to gather with a handful of others in the flesh in a half empty, no, no, let's be honest, in a 11 twelfths empty building feels weird to you. If even these small encouragements and challenges that I've thrown out to you this morning feel like a burden to you, please don't let them be. That is not my intention for a minute, and it's certainly never God's intention. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So entrust yourself to him afresh this morning for the strength, for the motivation, for the courage to keep going. And join him in praying Join Jesus in praying what he does in John 17, which we read earlier on in our service, for the unity of believers, for the unity of our fellowship, that he will be the glue which keeps us together at this time. And believe that God is committed to bringing about through us what we cannot ordinarily do by ourselves. It is a miracle when people don't just blend in with the rest of humanity thinking merely of themselves, but are united in love to welcome and serve one another as God's people. It's a miracle when people from different cultures and ethnicities and backgrounds and experiences come together in the Lord to worship him, albeit imperfectly. And that is what God is way more committed to doing in the church than we are. Let me just say. And that is something that no virus can derail. And so as Psalm 133 concludes, David says, For there, in this goodness, this pleasantness of our unity, there, the Lord has commanded the blessing. That's where blessing happens. That's where God brings about his purposes. His purposes of giving people, drawing people to life 
forevermore. I hope that's what you're going to commit yourself to working towards and praying towards in this coming season. Let me pray it through for us right now. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus, you said in your word that as a church, the world will know. He will know us. They will know us by our love, which we have for one another. But we have to confess that too often we have let social and cultural and racial barriers, the barriers which divide the rest of the human race, divide us too. So teach us and empower us to welcome everyone with your generosity and serve one another in a priestly way that points to you, that we might act the miracle and be the diverse, unified body of believers that you have made us to be, being built up in you to lead many others to glory. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.